Peace and blessings upon you all and welcome back to the Muslim Mind Space. I am Jasmine, your podcast host, and we have been venturing through the topic of marriage. Pre-marriage, being married, being married, being married. And now we're venturing into some more topics around marriage as well as divorce and civil co-parenting. So, I was checking out my stats today and I am blown away with my US audience. You guys are actually my top audience. But you know what I'm also blown away by? That the 65% of you aren't following me. Come on, click that follow button, click that like button, and also hit me up on my social media at Mindspace Academy. Touch base with me, DM me, let me get to know who's listening. I love talking, as you've probably realized, and I also love to know people's stories. People's stories make them who they are, and I love being in a place where I can get to know other women, their stories, and the things they've been through. Now, back to why you're here, and just so you know, everyone else tuning in from wherever else around the world you are, hit that follow button as well. Hit me up as well. Follow me at Mindspace Academy and let's connect. So we finished off with communicating, making up after arguments and dating your partner. And I wonder if any of you guys have taken the initiative to actually action these things, which I really, really hope you have. I really hope you have. Little simple changes can make all the difference over time, yeah? We're talking about being consistent. We're talking about manageable things, which over time make the biggest difference. Don't always look for massive pivotal moments of change, right? It doesn't usually happen like that in most cases. So now I want to venture through something that is kind of a tipping point for things. Something that's kind of like a really big red flag when I hear this whole marriage topic and marital problems enter my office and that is drawing comparison. One of the biggest pet peeves of mine is drawing comparison, be it you're drawing comparison that your husband should be like someone or is not doing something that someone else's husband's doing, or you're being compared to someone else where you're falling short. Comparison has to be one of the worst things you could probably do because it really kills someone's self-esteem, kills someone's, you know, motivation. It kills someone's identity of self, right? Like, it, I cannot express how severe this is. Okay, especially if you're drawing comparison or, you know, being drawn compared to that didn't make sense, but let's just act like it did. Um, someone that you know. So if you're comparing your husband to a brother or a cousin or a friend, or you know, this person's husband does this and why don't you? That is probably like the worst thing you can do because there is so much contempt behind your thoughts, feelings, and emotions around that. And what do I mean? What I mean is when we're drawing comparison, more often than not, our ego is in play. And we know when ego is in play, we're usually out to hurt that person. Okay. We're either out to hurt or defend. And oftentimes when we're defending, we hurt. That's basically how it works, right? Because we're in that emotional frame. 
Now, if we're sitting in a place where we're drawing comparison, where we're talking about someone's flaws, where we're talking about someone's lacking, and we're continuing to be, you know, looking outside, look at what this person has, look at what this person has, look at how they are, look at how they are, why aren't you like that? It becomes this cycle of not only I'm not good enough, but will I ever be good enough? And then when we're in the presence of the person who you've drawn comparison to, it's like, okay, so now am I being compared? What is my partner thinking of me? Do I need to act a certain way? If I be like this person, then will I be accepted? So we're looking at outside things to make us content with what's inside, be it within ourselves or within our partner. And that's the problem right? Because we all know if you've been following along my whole podcast and me on social media, you are not in control of your external factors, right? You are only in control of yourself. And the only thing you're able to do is influence people around you. So if you want to influence a specific behavior onto your partner or thought process or perspective, it definitely is not going to land by drawing comparison or, you know, you being compared to someone else. So this can work both ways, okay? And I'm going to break down drawing comparison before you being compared to someone else. So you need to ask yourself if this is something that you do do with your husband. You need to sit and ask yourself. What am I finding difficult to accept about my husband? And also, what am I willing to do to accept what I'm finding difficult to accept? Right? Because it is a you problem and it is a him problem. Why? Because if he's had this problem that you're now wanting to change or, you know, influence, more than likely it has been there from the very beginning more than likely, right? But as we grow, as we change, you know, sometimes our partner doesn't grow and change and the things that used to be okay are no longer okay. Or, you know, your wants, your desires, your needs begin to evolve as you evolve as a person, which is all very, very, very natural. But let's go back to the communication from last episode. It is not okay to communicate your needs or wants in a manner that's bringing the other person down. And Even more so, you're not going to get the outcome you want by drawing comparison between your husband and maybe someone else. Okay, so then the third question I would ask myself is, is what I'm about to say going to get my husband closer or further to the outcome that I want? And this is like a super, super, super important question that you can ask across the board, not just to your husband, but even to yourself. Is the choice I'm making today bringing me closer or further from my goal or the person I want to be or from the relationship I'm trying to repair or the communication I'm trying to build or the boundary I'm trying to hold? Is it bringing me closer and like threading that string exactly where I want it to be or am I just nodding the whole thing up at this stage, right? So it's super important to really, really take a step back and put your mind frame in that perspective, because we're taking out the ego, we're taking out the emotion, and we're taking out the contempt when we're looking at the scenario from that perspective. Why? Because we've given ourselves option and choice 
We've given ourselves a chance to think. So rationale has come in now. And then you've also given yourself the ability to take accountability if there is part of this equation that you need to be accountable for. Does that make sense? So drawing comparison between two people is your number one killer of intimacy, of connectedness, of self-esteem and self-confidence in that person. It also gets them, if you're partnered with someone who does have childhood wounds, it'll most likely flare those up, especially if they're an avoidant or anxious attachment style. Um, And more often than not, you aren't going to get any bit more closer to the outcome that you're craving. Okay. Now, if your husband is comparing you to someone else, you need to make him aware of these things. Number one, you need to hold the boundary that this is a non-negotiable, that I will not be compared to anyone because I am the person you married. This is the baggage I come with, or this is who I am. This is my authentic self. And you need to accept that. If you would like to express with me the parts you're finding difficult to accept, perhaps there's some aspects you need educating on or we can negotiate or we can compromise. That doesn't mean changing your perspective, but that means, should I say, changing yourself. That means changing the other person's perspective of what they believe about yourself, right? So yet again, when we approach it in that manner, there's rationale, there's logic, there's pause. There is a constructive conversation that's going to lead to a solution that can be implemented. And I know it's not an easy conversation to have because that means putting aside the feelings of being hurt, of low self-esteem, of the overthinking, of the insecurity. However, you need to ask yourself, Is me acting in this manner going to bring me closer to the outcome that I want or further away? Right? And it is in those hard and complicated and difficult and uncomfortable conversations that you often find your relationship grows the most. And not only your relationship, but you as a person, you're able to see how far you've you've progressed. Because if you're able to have this conversation in rationale, in logic, in really like a third person manner where you're not taking things personally, you can then assess how far you've come as a person. Because you can look back and say, you know what, three months ago, I would never have been able to have this conversation. I'd probably have an anxiety attack. My heart will be in my chest. I'd feel like I'm going to vomit. Or we just dust it under the carpet. So it's also important to see how far you've come and assess how far you've come. And Another aspect of this is, like I said, not taking things personally in order for your ego not to be present in the relationship. And if you are married to someone who does take things personally or does run victimhood or is, you know, the kind of person who jumps into ego, a lot of my clients are probably going to laugh at this, but they know me. Drop the mic. That is like something I have on repeat especially when I'm doing relationship coaching. So we must be focused on dropping the mic, right? Dropping the mic basically looks like you're not sitting there going back and forth fighting to be right. You'd say what you need to say and you walk away. 
if the other person, i.e. your husband, wants to continue to have a tantrum, wants to continue to scream and shout, wants to continue to advocate for him being so right, you know, his ego is in full swing right now, beat it on his chest, just let him do that. Let him do that. A lot of times we contribute to the problem spaces and we enable the bad behavior, right? So if he's going at it and you're going at it and you were both stubborn and you both want to be right, where is it going to end? And then, then no one's repairing, the hurt is being carried, and the week later you're having the exact same argument, bringing back what happened on Thursday three years ago, as I said in my last recording, right? So drop the mic, hold your boundary, literally stand there and say, I will not have a conversation with you speaking like this, and walk away. Drop the mic and walk away. It is a little bit odd to be having a tantrum by yourself, don't you think? Like when you literally look at your kid having a tantrum from afar and they're going at it with themselves, how bizarre is it? How weird is it? And oftentimes when the kid looks around and notices no one's giving attention, they stop because they realize how bizarre it is. So over time, this adult is going to realize wow, I really look a bit foolish now. I'm having this tantrum by myself in the living room. I'm fighting with no one to be right. This is new. Right? So looking at how we enable behavior and how we can influence behavior is super duper important because yet again, leading by example allows us to get closer to our outcome rather than further away. And these are things that take practice. These are things that take time. You're not going to be able to do this all the time. You're not going to be able to stay regulated all the time. You are going to have your moments, but those moments will start to become far and few in between, right? That is the aim here. Not perfection, but practice. Practice in order to progress into the person you want to be, into the wife you want to be, into the emotionally regulated adult that you want to be, which will hopefully in return allow the other adult to meet you, maybe not completely at your bus stop because they're not able to, because they haven't had the work done, because they're not seeking that help. But a happy medium is something we're after, right? So as we've established that happy medium and we're communicating and we're dating each other and we're repairing, you have a whole other family that comes into the picture and they're called your in-laws, outlaws, and whatever other fancy name you have for them. And I guarantee you, everyone has a name for their in-laws, 100%. And I'm not saying a bad name, so don't think that, okay? What I mean is they're known. So how do we deal with in-laws who are a little bit snoopy-doopy, should we just say? It is important, and I'll scream this from the rooftops, to set your boundaries from the start of your relationship, of your getting to know, of your whatever you want to call it. Set your boundaries then. 
what you accept, what you don't. Be aware of how he communicates with his family. Be aware if he's able to make a decision without his family. Be aware what they expect from him as a man who's married to you and what they expect from you being his wife and mother of his potential children, right? Be informed about these things so you don't get sideswiped later on and think, I did not sign up for this. And my lovely ladies who are listening to me and they're like knee deep in marriage, it's never too late to set boundaries with your in-laws. It is never too late to set boundaries with anyone, right? But sometimes you need to get comfortable with the backlash or the low blow comments or the little bit of snarky remarks when you are setting these things because it's something new you're changing, you're being different, and that makes people uncomfortable. That makes everyday people uncomfortable, let alone in-laws who think they have a particular pedestal in your life, right? And if you're blessed with amazing in-laws, and you know what? The reality is a lot of in-laws are fantastic. Everyone can get annoying. Everyone can get irritating. Everyone can get overbearing. Everyone can. The truth is everyone can. But sometimes it's more tolerable than others. And sometimes the people you're tolerating let things go a lot more easier than what other people do. So if you are setting boundaries and you are okay with being misunderstood and the problems are still arising because you have a husband who's unable to hold those boundaries or speak up to his family or put his foot down where necessary, it is important to have those conversations in an extremely soft manner extremely soft manner and bring it up in a way where you are trying to fix this problem. You are trying to see where you can help, what you can do, what needs to be done. You know, being able to present yourself in a way that wants to fix the problem or find a solution rather than coming from an emotional frame or what your husband may perceive as a nagging or, you know, overbearing, especially when it comes to the wife and the in-laws and the husband, right? That triangle dynamic is very sensitive. Oftentimes, men don't know how to put their foot down, and that's okay, right? This is something that can be taught. This is something that can be managed. It's not worst-case scenario. And oftentimes, women just need to put that part to bed. Okay, you need to put that stuff to bed for the higher purpose of your relationship and of your husband. You did not marry his mom or his dad or his siblings. You married him. So at the same time, you need to take into consideration that if I'm seeing them for X amount of hours a week or whatever it may be, or I'm having these annoying conversations or I'm feeling like, you know, they're being a little bit intrusive. Break it down to the fact that it is only in small bursts of moments throughout the day or the week, right? And the higher purpose is, I'm going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be understanding. Number one, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number two, for the sake of my husband. Because my husband is a great man. Because he is a great father. Because he doesn't need this stress on his shoulders right now. Because you know what? He tolerates the crap that my family give him as well because my family is not the best. So making up reasons why you should not overlook but be a little bit more flexible in that area 
is super important and making sure the reasons why are that large that they make you want to be better. They make you want to be consistent. They make you want to say no worries. They make you want to hold that boundary and be misunderstood and say that's fine. You know, they make you want to have those uncomfortable conversations and say it's okay to have this conversation. Boundaries around in-laws are super important. And having conversations around in-laws, it needs to be in a very soft and sensitive manner. Whether you're a male or female, right? It works both ways because there's also um, husbands who do with very intrusive uh, family members from their wife's side as well. But oftentimes we're just so programmed to worry about the husband's side, the husband's side, the husband's side. But we never stop to think and say, you know what? My family in itself is overbearing. I don't know how my husband deals with my family, right? And some of these conversations and topics I am talking about today are controversial, are a little bit hard to swallow, but the truth is the truth, right? And sometimes it's in those hard pills that you don't want to swallow where it's like, okay, I need to assess what's happening here. Perhaps I am that wife who's not being patient. Perhaps I'm not finding a higher why. Perhaps I am nagging. And you know what? Good on you. Good on you if you've listened to this series and put your hand up and said, you know what, guilty, but I'm going to do better. And this is when I'm going to do it. And this is how I'm going to do it. That's what differentiates you from everyone else. So don't see and feel bad if the things that I'm expressing, you are experiencing or you are participating in or you are showing signs of these behaviors. It's good. That is the point of these hard conversations, you know, listening to me on this podcast. So you can take that away and be like, okay, I need to pull up here. You know what? I'm not the only one who goes through these things. I'm not the only one who feels like this. I'm not the only one who's stuffing up. Everyone stuffs up every single day of their life. Well, not every single day. That's a big generalization, but a lot of their life, right? But what you recognize is the person who takes accountability for their stuff ups, you're willing to give them another chance. But the person who doesn't, they become a little bit of a question mark, right? So over time and throughout this series, we've come the positives, the negatives and everything in between in a marriage, you know, and I've given the best tips I can to bring your marriage back to life, to communicate, to understand each other, to hold your boundaries, to put you and your husband first. And sometimes that's not enough, right? And we reach the stage of divorce. And unfortunately, in our community, that is only more and more and more on the rise, which is a really sad thing to see. But it's the reality. It is a sign of the end of times. Um, we are educated in Islam on these things. And now that we've gone and we've tried everything we can and we're at a point where we're like, I can no longer do this. First things first to those women who aren't married yet, the first thing I will say to you is know your rights in Islam from pre-marriage, during marriage, post-marriage. Especially the aspects of divorce, especially the integrals of divorce. I can go into this forever on this divorce aspect, um, but Learn, educate yourself, speak to your shulcha beforehand, really, really know your rights and 
what you're entitled to before signing and stepping into anything and own that. Don't let anyone take that away from you. Don't feel belittled if you stand up for those things because those are your Islamic rights. And I know a lot of women struggle to do this. I myself struggled to do this. I myself was ignorant in these rights that I had. However, now that I know better, I can do better and help women do better, right? So we've reached a stage now where we're going through a divorce. Okay, more often than not, the kids end up with the mum. More often than not, we are hearing divorces that end so, so badly, or marriages that end so, so badly, should I say, where the divorce stage is an absolute whirlwind, is an absolute disaster, is nothing but toxicity, trauma, an absolute bunch of things that could be avoided if two people chose to be adults. And I don't only say that from experience, but it's the truth. People want to hurt themselves, well, not themselves, each other with their children. They want to hurt each other with their finances. They want to hurt each other with their words, with their actions, with their family. Their level of contempt that comes to surface when a marriage breaks down is absolutely appalling. And if you're a person who's acted out in this manner, if you're a person who continues to act out in this manner, I will say to you, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Honestly, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The marriage didn't work for whatever reason, no matter whose fault it was, no matter how bad it was, no matter how severe it was, there is never an excuse to use your children against their mother or father. There is never an excuse to act in a toxic manner in front of your children or towards another person, there is no excuse to harm, be it physically, mentally, or emotionally, another person, no matter what the circumstance is, especially if you're aware of this. I'm not talking about a one-off lashing out of you've, you've met your tipping point or you're having a bad day. I'm talking about women who actually preconceive plans that they want to do to harm the father of their kids or their family or, you know, revenge and spite and all that kind of stuff. And you really need to stop. You really need to stop because the only person you're harming is yourself and your children. You aren't going to benefit from any of that. The hurt's not going to disappear itself. The marriage is not going to get put back together. You aren't going to feel great after you seek revenge. You are actually going to sit in the mirror and look at yourself and say, what have I become? That's exactly what you're going to say to yourself. You know, and it is a hard, hard place to be, especially because no one emphasizes the grieving process of a marriage. It is like grieving someone who's dead, right? You know what? I actually say it's worse than grieving someone who's dead because the person is still alive. The life you thought you were going to have is still alive and your children are there dealing with the consequences of all of these things you thought that were going to happen, but they're not. So sometimes I used to think to myself, it would have been better if I was grieving a death and not a marriage or a divorce. 
At least I know that person's dead and gone and finished. That's that's where it started. That's where it ended. Right? So the layers of grieving are so, so hard, so thick, so foggy, where at times you feel like you're repairing and then you just go back again. And it's not that you go back. I don't want to say you go back. It just comes up for you again. And then it's like sometimes you're doing so well. It's like, really, is this my life? And then you're trying to manage children's emotions. You're trying to manage your emotions. Perhaps you're now become the breadwinner of the home. Perhaps you're relocating home. And you don't have time to actually grieve what it is you've just lost. You don't have time to sit in that space and care for yourself and be kind to yourself and actually heal from the marriage you were in. And oftentimes women don't heal from the marriage they're in due to being in that survival mode, due to having to micromanage everything. And then that lashing out comes out on the children, that heaviness and burden comes out on the children. And then now you have a mother that's overwhelmed and unregulated and you have children that's lashing out and unregulated. And that is just a whole toxic environment. And if this is something you're struggling with, please reach out to me. Please reach out to me. I would be so happy to help you through this. You are not alone. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed with where you're at, with how bad things are. Because you know what? Everyone makes ugly choices. Everyone has an ugly side of themselves. But it doesn't mean we need to stay there. Right? So, my top tips, right? And I know it's hard. I know it's, it's crappy. My top tips for having an amicable divorce is if you and your husband, ex-husband, whatever you want to call him at this stage, are unable to communicate effectively, get a male figure, if you do have one, to step in. Ask for help. Put boundaries right? I will not be spoken to in this manner. And if you continue to speak to me in this manner, you'll be dealing with my dad from here on out, right? Or my brother or my uncle or my grandfather, right? And if you don't have anyone, get a sheikh involved, right? Get a mediator involved. You have option. You have choice, right? And then when we start to act in the manner of having option and choice, That is when we can come back to a regulated place, the spite and the revenge and the anger begins to settle. And bearing in mind, all of that spite, revenge and anger is with swears from Shaitan. Right? They Shaitan wants you to fail. Shaitan wants you to make a fool out of yourself. Shaitan wants you to go for revenge, for spite, for toxicity. Because he feeds off that. If he never had that, he wouldn't be here. Right? So find your options and ask for help. Don't do it on your own. When it comes to your children, inform them. Sit down and have the conversation. Why does my home look different? Why isn't dad in it? What went wrong? And there's some questions that I just leave open to my children. When this happened at the start of my divorce, it was terrible. It was terrible. But what I noticed was when I'd sit there and say to them, I'm willing to answer any question you ask me. However, you may not understand all of my answers. And you also may not be at an appropriate 
age for me to answer your question, but I will do my best. Having that open communication, having that space where they can express, having that space where they can tell you how much it hurts and how unfair it is and how much it sucks. And you may not like this, but you need to amp up the father, whether you like it or not. Yeah, me and your dad are best mates. Yeah, he does communicate. Yeah, of course he misses you. Bloody daddy da. I'm going to tell you why. Because kids will reach a stage by themselves when they figure out which parent's which and what they're about and what they're not about. And I guarantee you they'll spend their life thanking you for not putting those things in their head, but them coming to that realization by themselves. They can look back and say, my mom only said great things about my dad. My mom had patience with my father even when he mistreated her. My mom worked 24-7 to give me the life that I live today because my father chose not to help. They will come to those conclusions by themselves without you needing to give those remarks or those comments. And sometimes they come out. We are human. They're going to come out. But what did I say earlier? We put our hand up and we take accountability where accountability is due. Amicable divorces are possible, but oftentimes it takes one person to compromise a whole lot more than the other. And I guarantee you, after being in that relationship myself, being in that situation myself, you can never ever look back and say, you know what? I regret acting like a selfless person. I regret being a regulated adult. I regret not being spiteful. I regret, you can't say that. Like, how can you regret not being spiteful? If anything, you're going to leave with no regrets. You're going to leave with the ability to say, you know what? I now know the 101 reasons why I did not stay with you. I now know the 101 reasons why I outgrew you. I don't know 101 reasons why I now believe in myself and can live my truest life. And that is far greater than any revenge, any spite, any toxicity, any any toxic co-parenting is worth because I found myself. I'm healing myself. I'm working on myself. I'm doing my best to show up for my children, to regulate their emotion. And all of that, all of those whys should outweigh the other stuff. And if you really sit in that frame enough, you'll begin to realize escaping a really bad marriage, escaping a place where you felt worthless, where you felt broken, where you didn't know who you were, where you were belittled and put down, escaping that place, you have won. It's not in the child support. It's not in the house. It's not in the car. It's not in who's paying what. It's in the stuff that money can't buy. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided your heart, has guided your soul to gratitude, to happiness, to possibility, to option, to staying close to him. And that is what you need. That is your power. That is what will keep you and your children strong, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not acting how shaitan wants you to. And having that mind frame will then allow you to have a healthy co-parenting relationship. To look at that person and say, you know what? This is the best that this person can show up 
be it when I was married to him to now when I'm not, this is that person and I just need to accept that. I just need to deal with that. He doesn't have the comprehension, doesn't have the ability, doesn't have the, you know, the necessary steps to show up. He doesn't have any of that. And that's fine. That's fine. Moving on because that's no longer my problem, right? It's not my problem. That's a him problem. Okay, I'm going to focus on me and my children and that's a him problem. So you need to create the distance and separate the two in order to have a healthy co-parenting dynamic. And oftentimes it looks like laughing things off and ha-ha and no problem. And yet when deep down you do want to say the other things, but you choose not to. Because why? Yet again, we've got our higher purpose. We've come out of the other side better and bigger and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than feeding into shaitan. And that will then carry on to your children. And as I said, your children have reached a stage where they know, they see, they hear, and they feel. And sometimes it comes in lashing out, sometimes it comes in loving words, and sometimes it comes in distance. And sometimes your kids do need therapy. Sometimes they do need to heal. Sometimes they do need a repair. But don't beat yourself up about it because you didn't know how this was going to end when you got into it. And I think that little message is a massive reminder to myself before it is to anyone else. You know, you're doing your best. You're breaking cycles. You're wanting to set a better example for your daughters and your sons. And you're doing that. And something I also want to mention is the best of men in our relation in, in our religion, Muhammad peace be upon him, the prophet before him, peace be upon them. They didn't have fathers. Some they didn't even have mothers. They were orphans. Prophet Muhammad himself was an orphan by the age of what? Five, six? And look at the man he turned out to be. What do I what am I getting at with this? In order to raise great men, in order to raise great women, they don't always need both parents. What they need is their religion. They need your time. And they need you to be a regulated person in order for them to be the best man or woman possible. And teach them these things. Show them their Islam. Show them the men, the warriors, the women, the piousness and sincerity they had regardless of what they faced. Regardless that they were orphans. Regardless that they were starving. That they were trialed. That they also went through hard things as well. But look at them. And as we come to the end of this episode, I hope that this last part of this episode is something that not many of you are going through or have gone through. And if you are, I would love to hear your story as this is something close to my heart. And I don't know why I'm getting a little bit emotional about that, but you know what? People's lives journeys shape them. Um, it creates their why. And it also reminds them of places they never want to go back to. 
It reminds them of versions of themselves that they never want to go back to. And it creates this fear, this hunger to continue to want to do better so they never go back to the places they once were. Now, on a happier note, let me get out of this emotional frame. On a happier note, the next season, and I'm not calling these things seasons and they're only like a couple episodes each, so I'm sorry. I did cut this season as short because I wanted to fit in the next exciting season I have before our Ramadan season comes, which I cannot wait to deliver you. So next season, we are having Muslims in business. So from next week onwards, up until Ramadan, we are going to have a different Muslima a week who is in business, successful business. I'm talking parenting coaches, doulas, mindset coaches, um, mental health advocates for maternal mental health. I am talking women who are here for women, services for women, support, community, guidance, influence for women. And we're going to sit down and pick their brains on how they got where they are today, the things they had to go through, the things that shaped them, and the things that continue to shape them in order to be the best Muslims in their business. So everyone who hasn't followed yet, I want you to hit that follow button. And I want you to jump on Instagram and type in Mindspace Academy and get following me and send me a DM. Let me get to know you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to fill your hearts with guidance. May he continue to fill your heart with light. May he continue to put barakah in your marriage, in your parent journey, in your journey of yourself. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to bless you. And I will speak to you all on the next episode. Peace. Oh. <sighs>